Hello and welcome back to another episode of Raceline, Scanline Media's premier weekly Formula One podcast. I'm your regular co-host, Alan Ibrahim. I'm Danny. And I'm Rose here on this podcast that we do every week. Hello. It's been an interesting time in the world of Formula One, folks, as we all know. Uh, and we're here with a brand new season of both Formula One racing. And today we're going to be talking about Drive to Survive Season 5 which is Netflix's documentary series about the previous season of Formula One, as you all know if you've been listening week to week with us. Um, first of all, how's everyone doing? How's your race experience? Have you had any good races lately, Rose? Um, I've been having fun watching races. Um, yeah. You know, been a, been a drama-filled uh, couple of, of weeks here in in the, the 2023 season. I know this is going to be 2022 focused for a lot of it, but uh, uh, very interested in seeing where this year is, is going to go. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's, it's been a lot. It's been, we've, we've had two races as of this recording, so we're, we're keeping up. But um, if you've been listening, you know that we, we, we try to cover each race as it comes and goes. Um, Danny, any good racing lately? You know, I love racing to the grocery store to make sure I can get everything for my child. Uh, who? Oh yeah, you know the mean streets of DC. Um, Got to really make sure to stay on the, that race line, but you know maybe push the edge a little bit, just like Fernando Alonso, who's somehow made a career of himself again. He's the bad guy after all. Um, the villain. I feel like the race line, the va- <laughs> the the race line at supermarkets is how. You know, during COVID, they made the lines that were like everybody go up and down the aisles in this direction. I love and seeing still have the those stickers. Nobody follows them outside of like grocery stores. Like three years later, they're still there. You'll still see a mark there, just to remind you that uh, we used to do things to maybe prevent disease, and then we said, "Ah, forget about it." Eh. Remember senior hours? Remember when they would let only seniors into the? Sorry, this is not a grocery store podcast yet. Um, this is still a racing podcast before we race to geriatry. <laughs> um, I want to start since this is a new season and folks may not have, uh, listened to the previous episodes of Raceline. Um, let's talk about our history with Formula One. Um, I'll go first cause I can be kind of brief. Uh, I think I initially discovered Formula One in 2014. Uh, I, th- I'm pretty sure the giant bomb podcast podcast, Alt F1, which eventually turned into the now very successful, very currently running Shift F1 was probably my inroad. And I was like, oh, this sounds cool. I have cable and I can watch this on ESPN. And I watched the 2014 season only listening to them and watching the races by myself. Um, and I remember it was the era of Mercedes dominance. And I loved Lewis Hamilton. And I was excited to see him win. And I had a friend who I no longer talk to that uh, was like a big, was like a, a semi-big racing person. Um but it was like my private hobby. And then 2020 rolled around and I had way too much free time. And two of my other good friends did as well. And I got us F1 TV, which had been the intermediate years uh, came to exist. And we got F1 TV and we split it. And ever since we've been watching Formula One every year, we try to watch all the races together. We don't always manage it. And we have a belt for our F1 Fantasy League now. So uh, I've kind of like brought people back into the fold. With mostly via F1 Fantasy, which we talk about every week, but is basically like fantasy football or any other fantasy sport, but for drivers and constructors. So, um, yeah, ever since 2020 or so, I've been like consistently following it and watching Drive to Survive, which we're going to be talking about. Um, Rose, what about you? What's your history with the with speedy race cars? Uh, yeah, I started paying attention to Formula One, I think, a couple of years ago. I was working a job that uh, I didn't really interact with people. Um, And so I decided to find some hobby. I've always had Formula One kind of in the back of my mind as one day I will look into this because I like when the cars go fast. Um, And uh, Alan recommended I check out Drive to Survive as a starting point. And then I kind of got indoctrinated from there. Now I just... I'm always uh, wired into F1 stuff nowadays. I'm very interested in the petty beefs between the boys, <laughs> and I just find it a lot of fun. So, uh, Danny, I I've never actually asked this to you before, but how long have you been watching Formula One? What's your history? So, 
In 2018, we moved to California from D.C. I'm a huge D.C. sports fan in general, but being in California, being three hours behind really like kind of messed up my whole schedule for watching sports. Um, and I didn't know too many folks out there either. Um, but what ended up happening one day was I happened to turn on the Austin Grand Prix or the United States Grand Prix um, and started watching. I was like, oh, this is kind of interesting. And I've always enjoyed racing. I ran in college. I played Gran Turismo a lot. Um, always had like kind of a hey. small fascination with racing in general of multiple different types on legs or on tires. And so I started watching a little bit, got F1 TV um, and realized that I could watch all of the races. This was, which was really cool since most other sports didn't have that kind of like archive. Um, and then happened to meet some people that were, were really into F1 out there in California. So that really helped give me like a, um, some people to help me understand the sport. And then mm -hmm. going into 2019, that was the first season of Drivers to Survive, which was perfect timing for me as a new fan. I could start to understand who these different people were. Um, it, they've tried to like replicate that success with multiple different um, sports with having the documentary set up. But I think F1 is the best for it because you get to learn everybody really quickly um and i think that's been that really helped me become a fan very quickly yeah i think that that brings me to our our next big point which is like the legacy of drive to survive as netflix attempts to stay relevant in an ever transforming streaming uh like market and drive to survive has been the single best piece of marketing for getting people into formula one um, and keeping people engaged with the drama with the storylines that's unquestionable um, I'm sure they have the numbers to prove that. Even though, as we we see sometimes in the episodes, the drivers and the people who work at these teams don't always love the DTS team. Uh, it seems like they have kind of a weird relationship with the the film crew from the show. Um, and I think online, at least, like amongst Formula One fans, Drafter Survive itself has taken on this this reputation for like inventing drama, um, where there super duper isn't any. Um, I would say this was the biggest the biggest problem around seasons three and four. Where, uh, I mean, one of those seasons was the one where Max Verstappen was like, I'm not going to be in this anymore because you guys are going to keep making shit up about me. So uh, they've had to work around the realities of these, like, billionaire companies and their drivers, uh, which I personally find super fascinating. Like, I don't watch the drama for of Drive to Survive and think, like, this is all real. It's kind of like watching reality TV. Yep. Like, they are taking something that was real and happened and was, like, a little spicy and throwing some music under it and throwing some funny camera angles and making it seem like the most intense like interpersonal drama of the of the century. Yeah, I think they did that at the very beginning with Ocon because Ocon got into a clash with Max Verstappen at Brazil 2018 where they hit um he was trying to not get pat lapped yeah. um and then that led to Max Verstappen pushing Ocon in the tent after and almost coming to blows which that happens a lot in NASCAR. So it was like F1 had to be like, oh no, are we going to be like NASCAR? <laughs> Is there going to be a fight? Um, so they were able to take that. <laughs> um, plus Ocon and Checo were teammates at the time when racing run mm -hmm. or driving for racing point, And they were always clashing. So I think that kind of set the tone of um, where they were going to go with it for their drama. F1 has had a lot of drama in just in general, especially between teammates, is one of those rare sports that kind of creates drama between teammates um, because you're competing against each other, which is very unlike most team sports, which makes it fascinating. Mm -hmm. So they just kind of dialed it up to 11 of how can we really dig into these inter-team battles? And I think sometimes made stuff up, unfortunately. Um, but mm -hmm. it, it's definitely mm -hmm. sold well. It's made them probably one of the most sought after documentarians yeah i think when i when i think of i i watched the first season of drive to, to survive and then i kind of skipped the other seasons um yeah and only heard tell of like you know the the norris signs 
made up mm-hmm. drama that yep. Netflix did um and stuff like that. I didn't watch any of that stuff. Um but I mean getting into F1 now and just seeing all the memes and a a, a very common meme is something happens and and Will Buxton is is played over it um uh, very oh. dramatically. <laughs> um so, you know, it's one of those things where like it's easy to shit talk it, but it's also just it's it's the one oh one thing that gets people into the sport. So I have some friends that won't ever watch a race, but they'll watch Drive to Survive. So it's yeah, worked. Same. <laughs> yeah. And I think honestly, and this is like my not to give away my whole take on season five. But for me, the more I watch and read and care about Formula One as an actual real-life sport, the less impressive Drive to Survive is to me. Mm. Because what I'm more looking for is like, okay, this was really interesting when it happened. For example, this season talks about like the whole uh, Red Bull cost cap situation, mm-hmm. which was like really fascinating. And they turn it into this like <laughs> like absurd like soap opera thing where Christian Horner is like, I mean, it's bullshit, guys. You all know it. We're doing catering. And it just makes these rich people... It's like, it actually fails to make me care about the people. Because I'm like, okay, Christian, you're a rich idiot. And (laughs) you make yourself the center of every story. And you have protagonist syndrome. And it just, like, doesn't paint them super well sometimes. Because it's trying to be objective and failing. And it just... I find it an interesting, like, for a form of documentary. Like, what it chooses to show and not show. Mm -hmm. It leans hard Um, into the... Let's find a character, not describe a person. I think yes. that is the best yeah. way that I can kind of see it. And that works for some documentaries. And it worked in places in Drive to Survive. Yeah. I think overall my thoughts on the season are is that it's mostly fine. Um, uh-huh. I think I think you can see where they made changes because obviously they got for stopping back for this. Um, you can tell that they kind of listened to feedback about stuff that was shoehorned in and didn't did much less of that, I guess. Yeah, um, yeah. But there was still some stuff that was like it would have been cool to see behind the scenes of this thing that happened as somebody who like watched it um that yeah I just didn't get right if anything what i wanted what i want more out of for out of drive to survive that i don't know if we're ever going to get is like hey this particular race was really interesting and something interesting happened during it can we get like 10 15 minutes on that please and they're like no we're gonna do an episode that's just about aston martin and you're like yeah. well okay i I guess I wanted that too, but that's like a really cool thing happened in real life. That was like a rich material for y'all and you didn't cover it. Yeah. Or, or we're going to do a whole episode on Checo, which I, I, if if you don't know, I love Checo. He's very hot and he's my favorite driver. Um, even though he's not that great, but I love him. (laughs) He's pretty good. He's pretty good. He's pretty fucking good. Um, but if we did a whole episode on him, even though like towards the end of the season, and it's still fucking brewing this like weird tension between Max and Checo, um, despite them being uh, bros for the first half of the season. All of that has kind of fallen apart, um, and that just doesn't get touched here um, for one reason or another. Yeah, it seems like the racing, weirdly enough, except maybe a little bit of Max versus Hamilton in last in twenty twenty one. The racing itself just isn't going to come up, and mm-hmm. which actually makes an interesting comparison to the tennis documentary that they made. Point Break, like there were some interesting things they were highlighting about like the different styles of different tennis players. That I don't have like the greatest understanding of like who is like who should I be watching in tennis, especially since a lot of the older folks have moved on uh, very recently. Um, so there's like, they were trying to find a lot of the new guns and then it's like, okay, here's this one player who's really good at net play, or here's this one player who's really good on clay. Well, we never get any of that in draft to survive. Mm-hmm. And so, and, and maybe that's just, you know, it's worked for them again. Um, 
but we're not going to get the fun strategy calls. In fact, the one time I can think of where they were talking about a race where maybe someone made an interesting strategy call was when they tried to make an episode out of um, Nikita Mazepin last year in season four. Oh, boy. <laughs> right. Where, again, yeah. it talks about, like, they're making stuff up um, because it was Nikita's home race in Russia, um, and it started raining, and so that threw everything for a loop. The interesting part of that race was Lando Norris's decision to not pit, and he stayed out way too long yeah. on tires that could not serve, be in the wet. And mm-hmm. Hamilton ends up winning that race. Um, however, they focused complete because the episode was about Nikita Mazepin, and they were with him. Well, they talked about his decision to pit super early because he knew the rain was coming because he's Russian and knows about the rain patterns in Russia. It's like, <laughs> he finished 19th. Yes, he pitted first. <laughs> he still he, finished. No, he, he beat two people. Don't don't uh, don't oh, mind the 18th. fact that they both DNF'd, but oh, yeah. he did beat two people. <laughs> what was that, 2020? So cheap. Yeah, I'm going to look make sure i have that right but it was just like are you kidding me um Um, but they also do this again this season they do that with singapore because they have an episode about max that's around like singapore um and it's about kind of the struggle that he has in the middle of the season and the cost cap and all this like drama stuff but they don't even talk about the fact that Checo won Singapore, mm-hmm. and it was like one of the best yeah. drives he's ever had. Right, just mm-hmm. completely not mentioned. Yeah, he his his street circuit racing is actually very good. Um, and yeah, yeah. they don't mention that at all. Uh, you're right. He was 18th. He beat out uh, Latifi and Schumacher, who retired. Um, he was plus two <laughs> laps. He was not even. Oh my god! <laughs> he was not on the lead lap, let alone maybe a lap down. He beat nobody. He climbed, uh, he, he climbed they made, the mountain, guys. They, they made a whole episode of it, and I don't know it. Yeah, so we can. I think let's talk about this season. Um, I think. Yeah, yeah. We um, the ultimately the thing is that Drive to Survive is a great show about the people and drama underlying a really fascinating sport absolutely and it enables you to then watch the sport and realize oh my god the the (laughs) driving part is also super interesting and to us at least or often is more interesting because it's real and it has to do with politics and finance and culture and there's so many interesting things that affect why a race goes the way that it does right and the show is just never about that because it expects you to go on your own after it it's basically it's it only serves as a 101 course uh, and gives you at this point more meme material, which is what I felt coming out of season five was, wow, they really gave me a lot of funny stuff to like recount to my friends later when we're talking about chapter yeah. survive, like not educational because like all the stuff that they cover that's important, like the cost cap, like the Ricardo leaving is like, I read about that in the news and I understood it when it happened. I saw that clip of Danny, uh, on Instagram being like, I'm sorry, I'm leaving. I've already seen that, but the part I didn't get to see was Bonato and Gunther Steiner at the top of the season becoming like mountain drive buddies or whatever. That was amazing. Just give me 10 episodes of them doing that a travel log. So, yeah. That was so ominous. I'm like, this man is going to be long gone. Is someone going to die? Like, what's, yeah, they're going to get lost in the woods. Weird. And it's, well, it's at just, least it's, nakedly, it's like... Not really that, just knowing that he's not a coach anymore. <laughs> or, yeah, yeah. This guy's it's extremely like, not. All right, well... <laughs> Sorry. It's, and that's so interesting, because that's entirely something they did for Drive to Survive. Like, I'm sure they hang out, mm-hmm. right? But and, and I'm sure it was like, <laughs> oh, let's like bring the camera. But all of that is played up. All of the funny conversation yeah. is like, we, we know we're on camera and we're being funny on purpose. And it works because it's intentional instead of trying to make drama out of reality. Or all of the freaking cutaways to Christian Warner and Ginger Spice. And it's just like, what are we doing here, you guys? What's going on? It, it does seem like in general, they started to focus a little bit more on the team principles. Maybe last year and this year. Yes. Um, Horner, oh, yeah. Horner yeah, always had sure. a place. Toto showed up because he was you know, running the best team. But in, 
and Gunther, obviously. But I think this year they really focus on the principles over the drivers yeah. for a couple of reasons because um, I think in general they didn't have as much coverage over the whole season. Um, yeah. yeah. Maybe because of Point Break and Full Swing, the golf um, version of Drive to Survive, <laughs> so, they seem to have been split. Sorry, Danny. Sorry. <laughs> It's. I'm only correct. I hate to correct people on podcasts. It's Breakpoint. I only. I only <laughs> mention that because Point Break is another it's thing. Po- That's a separate you're right. thing. This- you're right. You're right. Also, that would have been <laughs> fantastic if they tried to go for really that good. Um, Agree. Yeah. Sorry. Please continue. So, which lead? Like they had a in episode one or two. I'm not sure which one it was. Was when Total Wolf is complaining about how the regulations have really messed them up. And a lot of teams were messed up because of the porpoising issue. The cars were bouncing too much because of the new aerodynamics. Drivers were getting headaches and migraines, mm-hmm. potentially concussion, micro concussions. And they have like a meeting between all of the team principals about what they're going to do. Because F1 is one of those yeah. weird sports where they get to self-regulate. Uh, you know, it's an agreement between all the teams. It's so different from other sports where it's Mm -hmm. a commissioner making changes. They're making the changes themselves. So they have to come to an agreement on this stuff. Uh, Total Wolf has no friends in this probably because they've won, (laughs) uh, you know, eight of the last, you know, constructors championships. Um, But also he's a tough talking Austrian who doesn't have friends. Um, yeah, And so he's talking about that. And that was an interesting thing to see. What I would have actually liked to see is the driver meeting between the driver's meeting between all the drivers when there was a missile attack in Saudi Arabia. Well, they're not going to touch that with a 10 foot four, are they? <laughs> didn't yeah. get that. That was probably nope. like if I had a wish list for season five of Drive to Survive, I wanted cameras in there. I wanted interviews about it and they don't mention it at all and i was like that would have been such i mean we talk about russia obviously because mazapin is gone because he's russian um they had to get rid of him and they just but they couldn't talk about the saudi arabia incident maybe they didn't have cameras in saudi arabia i don't know or they didn't have they weren't allowed cameras in that meeting um but it was just so frustrating to be like, hey, we are the document we are making the documentary that gets behind everything. And we see it later in the the season. There are some cameras and microphones in places I didn't expect. Um Yeah. But they didn't have that at all. And I would love to know was who made that choice or was it a consequence of they just didn't have the coverage and they missed out on that huge like possibility. I, I they they i just think that because it's a show funded by f1 they're not going to mess with the saudi money like it's very easy to like talk about russia very bluntly because every fucking country has sanctions against russia like it's 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 like it is it the makes mainstream. you look good to talk about russia it, yeah. it is the mainstream that we're against russia and, and whatever but uh the company has a stake in saudi arabia they're not gonna touch um, something that uh, will jeopardize that relationship, especially since they're still having races there. True. Yeah, we just did. Like, yeah, <laughs> we were just there. It's it's a fascinating thing, right? Because yeah, there are you can't see the interesting meetings, but instead you get the meetings where what I'm wondering to myself is like, how much are they playing it up to the camera? Because they have to be a little bit. That great scene where Toto is arguing with Christian Horner yep. about, I think, like, is it the cost cap thing? Or what the fuck are they even no, arguing No, they're about? talking about no, the porpoising. No, it is, it is yeah. the porpoising, yeah. And it's like, <clears throat> if this was real, and definitely they didn't know cameras were there, I bet you they would have said some more shit. But it really felt like they were playing it up, and they were just having fun. Because, And even one of them says, like, are you doing this because there's cameras here? And he's Christian like, no, I'm just that. mad. Well, of course yeah. Christian's going to say that. <laughs> Fucking, this season made me so, I already did not like, my two least favorite people in Draft to Survive are Will Buxton and Christian Horn. Yep, uh, yep, n- agreed. Will Buxton is a psyop meant to, <laughs> I don't trust him. He fucking, he, tw- <laughs> he tweets about rap music like he's actually, like, into it Does he tweet about like, rap Biggie. music? What? <laughs> he, like, tweets about Biggie sometimes, and I'm like, you're fucking Will fuck? Buxton shit. <laughs> 
<laughs> and every every he is like he's so good at what he does, right? Which is that he makes he makes drama out of nothing. And the way mm. that he talks in the confessionals is like, and then Checo stopped driving, and you're like, "Oh my god, I'm so interested!" Like he's a storyteller, yeah. which is a good skill to have. But it may, everything he says feels dis, feels disingenuous, extremely to the max. Even yeah. when, no matter what, there's no example on this show of Will Buxton not sounding like a robot or an op or something. It's just like, I think, <laughs> and then, sorry, yeah, I, I think there's some scuttlebutt about that's just the way he is. He tries to find like the drama and things like when back when he was working for speed um, back in the early 2010s, when that was the only way America was watching F1, like people were just tired of his shit. So I think he just does this at every (laughs) place. It works out for him. But you know, but you know, Netflix chose him the footage and it's like, all right, what do you got for this one? (laughs) You know, what are you cooking? What are you cooking? Will? Like, they definitely show him that meeting, and he's like, all right, I got something. I got a voiceover for this. And then Christian Horner is, like, portrayed kind of negatively. If I have to see his fucking ranch with horses one more time, I'm going to go bananas. Uh, I'm tired of seeing it. What you realize is, like, he's only interesting when he's playing it up to the camera. Because you get these brief scenes of him talking to Jerry's wife, and it's just like, hey, Max did pretty well this week. Yeah, right. he's going to keep doing well next week. Like, that's probably what their actual conversations are like. And then when he decides to play it for the camera, he's like, guys, like, Red Bull is fucking dominant. Toto Wolf's a big baby, and I think he's stupid. He doesn't know how to manage it. And it's like, bro, you're so fake. Well, I did love love that. um, I'm sorry. I don't know the name of Christian Horner's wife, which is bad. Um, Jerry? But, yes. um, But the part in the last one of the last episodes where Max is like overtaking people because he has he had the the pit stop issue and he overtook everybody and she's just like fucking enthusiastic as Max overtakes everybody and Yoss Verstappen uh. is just completely stone faced watching the race <laughs> just yeah. like no enthusiasm at all it's so fucking scary. <laughs> Jerry Hallowell is a gift sometimes. She has the talent for at least caring. Um, I think that the... Because the... Um, what are they called? The race... What are the... What's Christian Horner called for for Red Bull? Team principal. The guy who runs the team. Team principal. Yep. The team principal's wives get a little bit of time to shine in this season, which I really appreciated, by the way. Like, Gunther's wife being like, oh, he's just really unlucky. Like, my husband just, like, has bad luck all the time. He's not bad at, dry, at managing. He just... You know, it sucks for him, but oh well. Like, I find that very charming. That's like, I, that feels a little bit real also. I also appreciate like, that. Oh, what are these we, people's wives think? I also appreciate that we got a little bit of, you know, middle of North Carolina. Where I was like, oh, Gunther, or Gunther lives in North Carolina now. Which like, yeah. That, like, I know that Haas is an American company, but most of the construction and everything of the cars and the factory is in Europe. So I was like, oh, hey, I know where that could be. That little lake mm-hmm. looks nice. Um, I love the idea of him coming to America to chill out versus being on a mm-hmm. mountain or in like the Italian mountains. Right. That's normal for him. Yeah. That whole thing with his daughter or whatever. When they're, What are they playing? Are they like running or something? Remember. But. And then his daughter is like, oh, he's, he's fucking trying to beat me in this game on purpose. I don't know. He, it was fun seeing Gunther's family. Is my yeah. Name. Gunther's going to cook out, um, getting some milkshakes, just a normal person <laughs> in America. And then he goes and becomes an F1 team principal. Meanwhile, you've got like Toto Wolf, who lives with his wife, who's also team principal over in Formula E. Um, yep. And they live in Monaco. Like that's such a different like experience different universe right yeah uh i i think what what works though with all this stuff is it's not trying to make you go like oh see toto and and christian and them they're all like us it's like no (laughs) we trust the viewer to know that these are like absurdly rich people who are not relatable and are absurd and have and get really dramatic about stupid crap Let's just watch them like we're looking at little like (laughs) rats in a lab or something yes and i think the most interesting part, and the the part of the se- season I liked, was following Otmar. 
through yeah. his whole uh, oh, scenario. I think we can talk about that a little bit because with all my complaints of Jive to Survive, I was very glad that we got this bit of F1 mm. for the last five years. This is probably the most juicy part that I think they actually did a good job capturing. Yeah, I think yeah, I think all this the piastri stuff is really well done in in this season for sure. It it was confusing watching it in real time. It's actually nice to have it summarized and like cuz we were getting it live. It's like all this tweet like a piastri tweets this day. <laughs> we get an announcement the next day like it was hard. it's sort of like um this is a severe example. I apologize, but because I'm from Boston, I have to mention it. Um I I was there hours before the Boston Marathon bombing happened. And the day of and the week of, I was, like, reading news and completely baffled by, like, okay, what is actually going on? Like, what is truth right now? And now you can, like, read a Wikipedia page about it, even though I was, like, I don't know what the – I'm reading Twitter until 2 in the morning because I'm scared that we're in Watertown or whatever. And that's similar to how the Piastri situation played out where it was, like, every day it's, like, what the fuck is this? And Drive to Survive can be, like, okay, here's the whole situation and here's how it ended. Welcome, Oscar Piastri to mclaren like as if it's a plot twist right exactly. though they did they did kind of scooch over the fact that there was a review process and piastri didn't sign anything with alfie <laughs> yeah i think they yeah i think it's even, another thing where it's like f1's that. gonna look bad they yeah. barely yeah. did it was like maybe 20 seconds talking about it being a contract because um yeah that was a big part of it that they skipped over but i think Again, maybe they just have cameras in the courtroom, which that would have been fascinating. Um, yeah. But I think, huh. yeah, in general, watching Otmar try to play up this um, kind of, oh, I'm such, you know, a good guy. I want to try to, uh, you know, really get the best out of my my young boys. These are my sons. I'm going to try to lead them. Yes, even Fernando Alonso, he is my son. I'm trying to do what's best by him. <laughs> um, and then he is so baffled to realize that when this is a sport, they are professionals. You are get, like lowballing them. Um, and that's what he does. He's trying to like, trying to like not gaslight, but um, just kind of like, he almost like seems to like nag them into like taking like contracts that they should never take are you know like mm-hmm. hey this is this is a family you should try to do what's best for the family um that kind of thing just like rubbed me the wrong way and it was very illuminated it's, to yeah. see him do yeah. this he comes off so bad yeah i i kept being baffled because multiple times throughout these episodes he's just like i don't understand fernando's lack of loyalty i don't understand oscar's lack of loyalty i'm like it the they they're athletes and they want money. What are yeah. you talking about? <laughs> they want a competitive. They car. have a responsibility. Yeah, they want a competitive mm-hmm. car. They want to be paid well. And the issue with like, which is so funny, him talking about having the fourth most competitive car, considering what has happened this season so far, is so fucking funny mm-hmm. to watch. Yeah. yeah, like first off, you're not going to get loyalty from Alonzo in his late stage of his career. Like, have you noticed he's bounced between a lot of different teams? So you're asking mm-hmm. for something that's not going to be there. And then Piastri, right, he never signed a contract with Alpine. They offered a um, nego- a negotiated contract, which Alpine ignored. Mm-hmm. And that's what ended yep. up happening is when Alpine ignored it, they went to McLaren and got a signed contract yeah. a month before all of the shenanigans happened. So he's sitting there with a signed contract, and that helped illuminate why he could then tweet, no, I'm not going to be driving for Alpine next year, because he already had the contract in hand. They had the their trump card that they were holding, mm-hmm. and Alpine had no interest in finding out that their new rising star that they invested millions in, well, they didn't invest the millions plus enough to um, keep, give him an actual racing seat. They were just going to string him oh. along and got caught out. Or um, as I've heard, uh, I think it's more an economic phrase, but like when the tide goes out, you find out who's swimming naked. Well, Alonzo was that tide. Oh. And then it turned out <laughs> Otmar hadn't given out a contract to anybody. 
That's another thing that <laughs> waked me out too. Was 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 Otmar just going? We invested so much money. I'm like, yeah. If you are employed somewhere, you invest money in your employees, and then sometimes they leave. That's just what happens in business. Yes, it's, it's wild. Giving the, that's a really well good way to put it, Rose. And it it's giving the way that like certain companies will say like we're a family, you know, we're all like work together. And it's like no, you should let people fucking enable them to leave and improve, because if you're uh, <clears throat> Aston Martin, McLaren, a like mid-performing team, and your 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 drivers are, are like enabled to go somewhere better. Fucking let them. You can get someone else. There is you are not at a lack of amazing drivers in F two F three. Like you can't. And I know that that's like oh, but this person's a safe bet. But like get the shit out of here about like if they don't know loyalty. That's not how this works. You want it to work like that. It's a business. Um. I think that's also interesting, and it's also worth remembering if you look at the timeline from Vettel announcing retirement, which was in July, mm -hmm. to Piastri, uh, that was in like August. So this is all over the course of like one month that like all of that kind of went down. Uh, it was such a wild month. <laughs> <clears throat> Absolutely, summer twenty twenty two, amazing. Uh, the way yeah, his, the his way tweet. Alonso, and I don't think this was emphasized enough in the show but the way alonzo just like immediately went to the aston martin paddock is so funny yeah so they like, all right season's and over hey guys what's up <laughs> i'm here mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. uh i think it's yas capito when seb retires by the way he's like makes that comment about the piranhas if there's a hand in the piranha tank everybody wants that hand like it's just so interesting how the team principals think about drivers as like they are precious metals or something. <laughs> it's like they're not people; they are assets for our business. Like, well, yeah, and it's. What did you? Yeah, it, what did it, you guys think of that whole Checo arc? Because like the whole episode was about like, is he gonna have a seat? Is he not gonna have a seat? And then he wins Monaco, but he mm -hmm. signed papers before Monaco. Um, if you followed the season, he signed before he won Monaco, and Christian is just like, ah. Eh. It's better to just have them more stable so you don't have to worry about it so you can perform more. Which is, like, such a weird tossed-off explanation for the attention of the whole episode. I thought that was super yeah. weird. I, I think that's just more drafters if I've having kind of messed with the whole timeline a little bit. Um, well, let's see. Hold on. Yeah, the quote from what, when that happened was, he was so excited about winning the race that he was caught on camera joking that he had pri probably signed the new contract too early. So he had signed the contract before Monaco, but they didn't publicly announce that it had happened until yeah. the Tuesday after Monaco. Um, right. Which again is kind of the weird thing with like the Piastri thing of like knowing that contracts are being signed kind of in private which is funny to me if, you know, coming from American sports where so many things are happening out in the open, um, yeah. where it's like, Oh, we're holding a contract in our back pocket. What? Um, I think, yeah, they, which then kind of blows up the whole thesis of that episode where Checo yeah. needed to be, you know, performing. No, he was performing. He was a big reason why, um, the 2021 Abu Dhabi race where Max ends up winning that race and then winning the championship. Um, Checo's defense on Hamilton made it so that Hamilton didn't have, he, he eventually got through Checo to reclaim first place, but he never built up a huge lead where he could have gotten a free pit stop during all that. So that's why he was sitting, a sitting duck on old tires. And then, Max mm -hmm. wins. So Checo's defense should have been worth like a contract for the next three years because it gave Max <laughs> yeah. his first championship. Um, yeah. So I, I, again, I think that's more of a yeah. drive to survive issue. Um, but I did like seeing a little bit more humanization of Checo is that seems super interesting to me. Um, I think yeah. the best episodes in general across the five seasons are when, they just treat the people like people. Um, yeah. The stuff with like Pierre Gasly and Yuki Tsunoda was super great. 
Yeah. yeah. I'm going to miss the boys together. Like the, uh, all the scenes of them and like them screaming Adele together and everyone is trying to do work, but they're all <laughs> smiling. <'cause laughs> they're not going to tell them to stop, but they're like, uh, <laughs> they're yelling. Uh, they're the, um, Alpha Tower YouTube channel has a lot more of stuff of them hanging out and like driving other like dirt cars and stuff. They have a lot of funny stuff on there. Um, and I'm going to miss that stuff. I think the silly stuff is what I also stick around for. Like you're saying, Dan, that's just people being people. Yep. Uh, it's just like the little moments that you catch of humanity. Like uh, at the in one of the later episodes, there's like a whole segment about Ferrari fucking up their strategy and tanking their season. They do it really briefly. But that as a viewer was like the death of Ferrari for me as someone who had just bought a Ferrari T-shirt. And then you just <laughs> cut to a lot. <laughs> you just cut to Fernando Alonso and he goes. I don't know, man. Ferrari's got some weird strategies. <laughs> they keep... St- <laughs> they seem like they might have it not together, actually. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> Very respectful, but you know Alonzo's like, these guys fucking suck. Like, badly. What, was it Monaco that was the double stack? Or which which race yes. was the double stack? It was Monaco. And there's just, like, everybody in the Red Bull pit wall just being like, what the fuck uh, are they doing? <laughs> what's <laughs> like, going on? <laughs> yeah, brutal. <laughs> Which they pulled um, off a, dr- a double stack in this recent race, so you know they can do it when they yes. plan it, um, and they have like proper strategy in place. But Ferrari, oh my goodness, it's so funny Ferrari. thinking of it as a newish F one fan who I knew the name Michael Schumacher. Uh, you know, I I knew of Ferrari's like dominance, um, just as yeah. general sports osmosis. But it's so funny to watch Ferrari be the most tripping over their own feet and then falling onto multiple rakes every single season. <laughs> um, yeah. It's already happening. At least it's happening early this season so I can take them off my fantasy team and stop fucking up. Yep. Yep. It's just so... but And they have amazing drivers. That's the worst part. Yeah. The talent yeah. is good. They have the drivers they need. They're incredible. They're and both incredible everything drivers. Everything else is just Oh my god, it's so it's so heartbreaking to watch. Though I did love the episode where they clearly foreshadowed signs uh being like, Yeah, fuck your team rules, I'm gonna like, win this race. Yeah, uh, he I hadn't like won so a race much. yet. So he's like, I need yep. to get this for me. Um Yeah. Oh signs. I freaking love him. And that ultimately that stuff is why I still I'm happy to have the Ferrari shirt. Like my best friends and I we all got different Formula One shirts. One of them got a McLaren shirt, which rip, rip rest in peace. <laughs> oh, and no. then the other one got a Red Bull shirt, which is like <laughs> McLaren shirt is sad because you can identify it a mile away. But the one who McLaren got a Red Bull shirt, shirt it's uh... like yeah, tragic because we love them. They had so much potential. Don't get me started. Uh, the Red Bull shirt is just like, yeah, you're gonna win every season. It's not cool. Like I like, I'm not into that many other sports. But what I hear from my friends who are football fans is that it's actually really fun to root for the quote unquote bad teams. Because when they once in a while do well, it's the best feeling in the world. Why would I be a Patriots? I'm from Boston. Why would I be a Patriots fan when we were all we won for like fucking 12 years in a row, and dude? It wasn't, I don't want to be a Patriots fan. And it wasn't like fun winning. Like as yeah, they just kind of like choked games out and won like slowly. They weren't winning like in with high like scoring. Um, exactly. I've not picked a team yet despite watching now for five years, um, which has been actually mm-hmm. kind of fun to not have a full allegiance, although I'm pretty anti-corner mm-hmm. and anti-max. So, uh, but I, lo- but mm-hmm. I like Checo. So it's kind of this funny yep. thing. Yeah. Of like, yeah. I'm in the same boat. I'm in the same boat. It's, I'm like, I love Checo, yep. but like everything else about that team is <laughs> awful. But Checo is there and he gets enough races. And I'm like, I'm always cheering for him. Exactly. So, like, this and then, and then Saudi stuff Arabia. happens like, mm. yeah, and then stuff happens like, yeah, Saudi Arabia and and Max getting fastest lap, and it's just like Jesus fucking Christ, this team sucks. Yeah, yeah. Or last at the end of last year, their Checo was like, "Can you just help me? Can you defend for once?" And they're like, "Nah, we don't care about no. you trying to get second place in the championship at all." Um, so it's just such an interesting thing to watch F one and be like. Not necessarily, I, I almost, I haven't bought like a specific team's gear yet, which is so funny to me. Um, yeah. 
especially growing. Maybe it's because I've always been like, I'm going to be a fan of every DC team, or I'm going to, if I'm watching the premier league, I picked Arsenal. Um, that for a long time was kind of like watching the goofballs mess up for a couple of years. Um, they might finally win a championship this year, but they might mess that up too. So we'll see. Um, but with F1, I think you can really just pick your fandom, pick people to root for. Um, and I think that's almost expected. And for all the complaints of Drive to Survive, I think it does a good job of illustrating you can be a fan of a person. Like, I want good things for Daniel Ricardo, even though I think he's probably past it. There's my spicy yeah. take. <laughs> no, I think so too, though. And I love him so much. I like to joke to my friends that he's my boyfriend and whatnot, because he's very handsome and I like his personality a lot. But he accepted it. Yep. Everybody accepts it. You see it in Drive to Side. You saw it in real life. He doesn't have it anymore. You can't keep saying, like, it's the car. It's the... I said it. I was the guy saying it's the car for a whole year. And then it's like, okay, now I sound like an idiot because it can't be well, the car because Lando's doing great. Well, you can say it now. I feel like if you say yeah. it, like, the car is so bad now that if you say it now, nobody will bat an eye. I feel, <laughs> I yeah, like, yeah. I feel like right now where things are at, if. Because you know Ricardo's got to be loving the fact that they're not they're not getting anywhere right now. I right. think for him, He's having fun at home, he you know that was probably also the he was the breakout star of season one, where it followed him yeah. a lot, and I think it really helped kind of make the show interesting. Uh, was watching him talk about being on Red Bull and then eventually deciding that he was going to leave to go to Renault. Um, and that was such a fascinating drama to watch, but it does make me wonder what it would have happened if he stayed at Red Bull because the Red Bull cars are so um, well-designed. Um, Adrian Newey is fantastic with that, and I think that's why Red Bull has done so well with the new regulations. Um, their aerodynamics is on point, and it almost probably made it very easy for him to drive and he could never unlearn that when he went to other teams. Um, but he also wanted to go and be a championship winner, and he was not going to do that while Max Verstappen was the wonder kid that they were going to make the car for. So it's just a funny thing to think about, like, what if he had stayed and just been a, like one of the best number twos this sport has seen? Yeah. Would he have That's our been more happy about that? I don't know. Um Mm-hmm. it would probably have been a lot less frustrating um, for him. But I, I'm super fascinated to see what he's going to do. He's basically taken his sabbatical. He's the third driver for Red Bull. Um, maybe he'll get a chance to jump in the car this year. Does he go to IndyCar? Does he go into media? There's a lot of things he could do. Um, and I'm just super fascinated and hope we get to see him again at some point in some manner that montage at the end of the season oh my gosh choke up a little bit so good and you realize that they really did just lose a main character like say say all you will about like these are drivers not characters but like danny ricardo knew how to perform in front of the camera and he it felt sincere and honest and from what i've heard it was and so you get every scene of him being adorable and the, you know, the Nico Hulkenberg scream, like all these classic <laughs> funny moments that people reference. That, I think it's from season three. If you haven't seen that episode, that part's hilarious. Ghastly. He's just, he's, I feel like he's somebody I can be friends with. And I don't say that about a lot of like celebrities or athletes. Uh, and when they showed that whole montage at the end, I was like, Formula One is going to be changed. And I hope that he goes on to do things, but. They lost a talent, absolutely. Athlete um, sweat. <laughs> <laughs> Who's ever going to do a shoey ever again now that Danny's gone? Well, maybe Piastri. I, I mean, oh, he's another Aussie. That's, that's true. That's true. So, because it, you know, that was my learning from Breakpoint, uh, is that the Australians there love to do shoeys as well. So that was kind of a oh, <laughs> funny Gross. thing. Yeah, apparently they're. You know, you think of tennis, as, especially because maybe because of Wimbledon. Oh, it's a very dignified sport. It's basically like golf, but in a you know an arena. No, they they're basically partying. At least the Australians were, 
and they're doing shoeys yeah. there. I'm like, wow, maybe I need to go to a tennis match, go up to New York <laughs> City for that uh, the U.S. Open. I'd be, do- I'd be actually. Down. I um, think they do a thing in here in D.C. That would be closer. I want to wrap up by talking about a few of our favorite one-off little moments from the season, because um, these are all the best like human moments of it. It's just people being funny. Uh, two that we referenced pre-pod, of course, signs just bold-facedly saying, I'm going full Latino mode, despite <laughs> the fact that he is he is Spanish. <laughs> he is Hispanic. That is different from Latino. Hispanic, sorry, yes. Yep. It's different. Yep. It's just him being silly and weird. Um, of course, Gunther Steiner saying that he's pr- he's going to hug the whole paddock to get what he wants, and the reporter stops him and goes, we can't use that. And he said it. And he's like, you said something. And then Gunther's like, I'm so, hold on. What did I say? And he's like, what did you say you're going to do to the whole paddock? He's like, well, I said I'm going to hug them. And they're like, ah, because it sounds like he's saying that he's going to fuck the whole paddock, which would have been. That's a joke people would make. And we were debating if that's what he actually said. Um, Alonzo, just the, this is the one that's been referenced the most. But Alonzo saying I'm the bad guy. There are good and bad guys in every sport. And I decided that I'm the bad guy. Just grinning through that like a king. Freaking love Alonzo, dude. Oh, I love him. So good. He, he, if he, in another life, he's a pro wrestler. And he would have been so good at it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh Speaking of like liking the winners, but it's more fun to like the people in the middle of the pack. Uh, when the little children go up to Christian Horner, <gasps> yes. uh, and they're like, "Who's your favorite driver?" and they're like, "We like Lewis Hamilton." He so goes, good. <laughs> "Wait, because <laughs> kids don't fucking care." They're like, "That guy wins a lot." I don't know. He's cool and he's on social media. I think he's better. I don't care that Max is the guy. Uh, the majority of younger Formula One viewers only care about Hamilton and Max because I would too. They're fast and their cars look cool. I don't know. Um. I had a note about Otmar in that episode that y'all were talking about with the whole piastri situation. We open on the most mundane sequence of Otmar Zafnauer ordering a cappuccino. <laughs> it's so charming. He's like, we're going to get, do you guys have to drive to survive filming like half cappuccinos? I really just want one with like no foam and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, fucking Otmar. Him, him saying bonjour like to himself over and over again <laughs> is some fucking sicko energy this man I is unhinged bonjour he's just <laughs> he's so fake he's just so fake it's oh, wild yeah. yeah and he's not european fake he's like uh, he's like american fake yes he's he's uh <laughs> he's not. southern nice yeah exactly um uh I just scrubbed through because I was looking, and I just remembered there's a moment where Daniel Ricardo uh, signs George Russell's shirt because George Russell is doing a bunch of autographs. <laughs> George Russell asks him, "Did you just draw a dick on me?" And the funny thing is, no, he actually signed it. He just put his name on there. Right. It's like Danny should have been he like, would. "I don't know what, why would you say that about me? I'm a man of class." <laughs> perish the thought (laughs) uh underrated moment this is just like a funny thing Gasly's a big nerd we all know that Pierre Gasly's a fucking nerd and he him and Sunoda are adorable they talk in the Monaco episode about what it's like that it rained this year and the only point of comparison that he has is like okay it's it's like like the H9 guy so you you know how in the F1 video game that we all play you can the hardest possible race is set conditions to rain and go to Monaco well we did that in real life and it's like you're a gamer you're such a gamer well that's the funny thing I think there is almost a generational divide where a lot of them are gamers like Lando Norris was playing like iRacing since he was like seven or Max Verstappen has a like sim setup on his plane like apparently he will jump onto iRacing and just race after actual races he'll go and just win three more in iRacing it's like dude i need to link you guys i need to link you guys to the max verstappen iRacing discord rant because it's beautiful um oh boy uh was he in a discord ranting about iRacing i can just read it hold on okay please a friend sent me this um, give me one second. 
um while i'm while i'm looking for this um the underrated for moment for me is uh during the um uh the porpoising argument mm-hmm. um when toto is saying that checo says the car is shit there is there is a <laughs> very clear yes. moment where everybody in the room is like what are you talking about <laughs> And at that point, and in that moment, Bonato like reaches his arm down and is like, he's like your dad. He's just like Toto. Toto <laughs> Come buddy. on now, pull it back, pull it back, pal. <laughs> it's so it's funny so too. Funny. If you also have been, if you've been watching Drafter Survive for a while, you'll know that in season one, uh, they couldn't show Mercedes. I don't think they, could they even, didn't. Did they show Mercedes like, and Ferrari? Did not. Ferrari. Red Bull was because that's when Daniel Ricardo was at Red Bull. Yep. Yeah. But they couldn't show Mercedes or Ferrari because they were like, we don't want you guys to see our secrets, which led to this like mystique around Hamilton and Toto and and like Bonato and, and all of that. And now it's just like <laughs> Toto's the like dorkiest Austrian fucking clown I've ever seen. There's no mystique around him anymore. It's like a, that's one like arc if you watch the whole show uh, that I really appreciate. All right, here's this Discord. I'm just going to read it completely out of context because this is how it was received to me. Uh, his username is just Max Verstappen. Of course mm-hmm. it is. In oh, orange. Um, yep. And it says, So, I'm going to write this once. It might get deleted, but who cares? After five months of prep to fight for a title, around two months of prep for Le Mans, this is what we get. This was a disgrace for the sim racing community and all the big brands and drivers involved. Big stutters all race. Two red flags due to attacks, you say. But then again, people disconnecting. Some get their laps back, some don't. Because of this stupid four-car rule. How can you even rely on rules when you can't even control your own shit server? This is not the first time we do this. I've literally been disconnected three out of four events. You might think after the first or second time you learn, but this is just a disaster. The Le Mans organization should really look at what they want moving forward, because doing it on this platform is just a clown show. I'm never competing again, and that's all down to your incompetence. I hope many people will follow my lead and we can build something nice somewhere else. Because all of us teams, brands, and drivers deserve it. That's fantastic incredible <laughs> like on the one hand he's that is wrong like... because i've heard th- those comments like by, from other people about it's, it's not iRacing it's another platform that does the virtual le mans but on the other hand he sounds like such a gamer that would be on reddit <laughs> that would but be on you reddit. know oh reading God. that that he absolutely wrote it no question mm-hmm. yes yes i can hear it in his voice most of it you yeah. just <sighs> He's like a fighting gamer, and I know that's toxic, and we're on Scanline Media, which is full of fighting gamers, but uh, that's what I feel in my heart of hearts. That's a great note to end on. Do y'all have any other thoughts or things you wanted to bring up? I'm just glad to see um, our boy Lance Stroll. He's going to get some actual uh, time in Drive to Survive because he never gets time in Drive to Survive, and now that he's got a car that could probably win a race, he's going to win a race, and he's going to make a can of proud <laughs> finally they deserve it i guess he, you know the He's billionaire so son finally deserves a little bit of good stuff in his <laughs> life yeah he hasn't had any of yeah that. i just want yuki to do well mm-hmm. he's doing I well just want to stop yelling at his team he's doing <laughs> but he also needs to stop yelling at his team oh my god speaking of toxic gamers yeah. Speaking of, he's actually said that that's like the reason he's like that is because he is coming from like gaming and stuff. Uh, but neither here nor there. Oh, my last note. I already said this, but I want to underline it. That whole sequence where Red Bull is defending themselves about the catering, and then uh, Christian Horner sees like Bonato and and uh, Toto in the corner talking about him, and he's like, "What are you guys talking about?" And they're like, "Oh, we're talking about you, Christian. We're talking shit about you." And- <laughs> like he walks away he's like all right you guys are weird it felt like i was watching a high school drama and it's so funny and bullshit to me that their argument is we overspent on catering six hundred thousand dollars over the season 
because we just love feeding our guys so much. We have such big events that we overspend on food. Because the That's other teams the... don't also have that. Yeah. As if, yeah, none of them. They feed the McDonald's. We actually get, we go to a restaurant at the end. We take them to Chili's. That's why we're 600K <laughs> at, over the fucking line. It's nonsense. Uh, but that's all I have. This was a really fun season of Drive to Survive. I'm glad I had the excuse to binge it. Because usually the way I watch DTS is I watch it over the course of the season really slowly. Oh, interesting. Um, and it was nice to watch like three or four episodes in a night. And just like input it into my brain while doing other things. Yeah. <sighs> um. Yeah, so... That's our coverage of Drive to Survive Season 5, folks. Um, we'll be back next week to talk about the third race of the season. Um, where are we going next week? We're going week? to Australia. Yeah. Oi, mate. Oh, boy. We're going to put some shrimp on the Barbie, and Danny's going to work on his accent for next time, y'all. I dig away my baby. <laughs> oh, God. Stay tuned for that. Uh, we have a Formula 1 Fantasy League, which is not in the show notes because it's private and not for you to join. Uh, we can be found. But I'm winning. Game on Media Kingdom. But Rose is winning. Danny, turns, you need to join the Fantasy League, by the way. Somehow, I predicted both podiums. My top three is Max Checo and uh, Fernando. And, it, and, and so I've just been winning. Yep, I've gone full yeah, chalk. It's, not, it's, it's all Red Bull, all Aston Martin, and Yuki Tsunoda. Whoa. Mm-hmm. I believe in them. See, that's the thing is, I want to, I want to invite you to my league, but I don't want you to like be invited and then win our league. <laughs> like, I would be mad. Yeah, I understand. I, I won last I year, but uh, no, I'm, I'm glad to have you. Uh, we can be found wherever. Uh, Scanline Media can be found. ScanlineMedia.com, Patreon.com/slash/ScanlineMedia. Danny, where can people find you on the internet? You can find me on Twitter for the time being at Danny Page. Uh, you smartly, like as someone who's in tech and software, somewhat. Uh, have started to migrate to other places yes. in case of emergency. I, I made my own Mastodon, but that's exciting. Yeah. Um, Rose, where can people find you on the internet and listen to you on other shows? Uh, I have a horror game podcast I do with my friend Grace. Um, you can find that at abnormalmapping.com. It's called The Safe Room. It's on abnormalmapping.com or spookygame.club if you type that into your browser. Um, we are about to cover Dino Crisis 2, which is a very goofy video game that is definitely not a survival horror, but we're going to talk about it. Um, and then you can find me on Twitter at BluestRose430. Oh, I didn't even think about that. Y'all start as a survival horror podcast, but some games in their second entry just go full-on action-adventure. That's great. What if you're just shotgunning dinosaurs? Survival horror. <laughs> Um, I can be found, I'm not on social media that much, or all my social media accounts are private, but my other podcast main gigs are Chats, C-H-A-T-C, colon, a television podcast, where my friend Majan and I watch called classic TV shows, like a book club format every week. Um, that can be found at chatspod.com. And uh, I don't talk about this one a lot, but my my other gig, as part of my volunteer job, is a bi-monthly marketing interview podcast called Talking Marketing, where I interview like CMOs and cool marketing people about their products and what they're doing. And it's kind of a fun interview thing that I get the opportunity to do. So that's just found wherever you listen to podcasts. It's called Talking Marketing. And that's what we got, folks. We'll be back next week with more race coverage. And uh, you stay tuned for that. Uh, Pay no mind to the date that this is being uploaded whatsoever. (laughs) Because this is our podcast and we do what we want. And uh, I'll I'll leave you with the the phrase that I always say at the end, which is, uh, Vamos Checa. Vamos. Vamos!